Hello and welcome to the Slow Evolution Podcast. I'm your host, Anna Engelhardt, and this is the place for all things health and well-being for the busy mom of today. So grab a cup of tea and get ready to be inspired. Hello and welcome to today's exciting episode where we will be talking all things getting pregnant. And today I'm joined by a 28 years old mama-to-be to a baby boy due in November. She is a high school health and physical education teacher and a coach of high school volleyball and track teams. She is an Instagram fitness influencer who loves to work out, be active and have fun. Please welcome Elise Fleming. Elise, welcome. Hello. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be talking with you and especially about such an important topic. Yeah, it's so great to have you here all the way from Washington, Washington State. <laughs> yes, Washington State, USA. It's crazy. This is I love podcasts and everything that we can connect with people all over the world. I agree. You know, I was never really a big um, social media fan, but mm. um, you know, once I started my my blog and 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 my business, I also got into Instagram, and it's amazing how you can connect with really you know great people and all as you said all over the world, and it's it's I I love it. Yes, I know that there can always be that struggle between social media taking away from real life interactions and relationships versus also all the good it can do to connect us with people who have had similar experiences and finding that balance is so important and it's so different for everyone. Exactly, yeah, yeah. But today's topic is a is a sensitive topic for many women out there, but I still feel like it's a topic that, you know, we need to be more open about and share our own experiences and support one another with the knowledge that we have gained in our personal journey. And yeah. you have always been very open about your health and fitness journey. And um, luckily, it's no different uh, when it comes to you, the struggle, if I can call it that, yeah. um, with you getting pregnant. So yes. do you mind? Yeah. Do you mind sharing a bit more of your journey? I would love to share. Uh, I definitely love this aspect of like social media being able to share our journeys and our experiences because it allows mm -hmm. us to connect with real people who are, their experiences might be similar to ours and even though it's like I'm obviously not a doctor or fertility specialist or in mm -hmm. any way that I learned so much from other people's journeys that really helped me when Andrew and I decided to start family figure out what it is we wanted to do or how we wanted to go about it and what that journey would look like for us. Mm. So uh, with my journey, I think I started out the same way as everyone. We're ready to have kids. Right. Cool. And then some people, they like get surprised and they're pregnant and it's a surprise and it's awesome. And it's wonderful. And that's how they come into being parents. Um, I would say that's probably the minority of people. Mm. Not most people have that experience, but I didn't know that when we decided to have a family. Especially right. coming from a family, I have two older sisters who both got pregnant pretty easily. Mm. So I just thought my experience would be the same as theirs. But basically, we decided we wanted to have a family, and I started looking into the health side of things because I'm a health and fitness teacher. I love all things health, and basically realized like, there's a window of fertility, like five to seven days. It's different for everyone. That would be the most important time to have like sexual intimacy if you want to right. 
get pregnant. I was like, okay, I'm going to figure out when that window is. We're going to time it out. And then we're going to be pregnant. Right, right. (laughs) You think that's how it's going to go? The very first month of doing that, I didn't even realize how badly I wanted kids until I wasn't pregnant the first month. Mm, mm. And then I was crying. And I just realized, wait, it doesn't happen on the first try. Mm, (laughs) And as you go through each month, I feel like you learn more and more. And the first three months, I would say I was still pretty optimistic. I figured the odds are in our favor and you only have about a 20% chance of getting pregnant each month, depending on your age. And so it might not happen the first time, but probably in like the second or third time it would happen, right? Right, right, right. And when we got to that three month cycle, like the third cycle of not becoming pregnant, that was when I realized that my journey wasn't going to be what I thought it was going to be, that I needed to be open to that journey looking different or being different. Mm. And uh, I was still picking up new skills. I'm sure we'll talk about some of these um, later on, but I started tracking basal body temperature every single morning. I started using ovulation prediction kits for basically like two week windows every single cycle I also, at the end, I started doing acupuncture weekly. I would, like, stay laying down after sexual intercourse, you know, elevate the legs, whatever it took. And uh, I picked up all these different, like, basically skill sets and learning about the different phases of your cycle and how that can affect your ability to get pregnant as well. I even Mm. went to the doctor, got blood work done for myself. We were looking also into Andrew having like his reproductive health checked out as well Mm, and mm. going, jumping through the hoops, the first hoops that everyone jumps through and uh, getting connected with the right doctors. So those were things that no one told me about Mm. that I would say anyone listening to this podcast who wants to have a family but hasn't started their journey yet. They just know, oh, I want to have kids in the future. Mm. I would want them to know that like getting pregnant on your first cycle isn't the norm. And right. that it may take some time. And it's actually the norm is six months to a year. Right, and right. So it's okay if you make that decision and then in those first six months you aren't pregnant. It mm. doesn't mean that something is necessarily wrong, but you have to follow your heart and make those decisions for yourself when it's right for you to start seeking like more and additional help and in what ways you want to do that. And it's okay if it doesn't happen exactly how you thought it would happen in your brain. I remember my sister telling me it's all worth it. It will all Mm. be worth it. So Mm. one of my sisters, she did have to try for about nine months before they got pregnant. And uh, so having a person who's gone through that journey before you who can relate to you is so important. Yeah, and somebody so close to you. Yes, to have a sister who I could call every month when I got my menstrual cycle, Mm -hmm. I cried. I cried every single month on that day, and that was the hardest day of every single month. And I would call her, and she would just say, there's nothing wrong with you. You Mm -hmm. are strong and capable. It is going to be okay. You are doing all the right things. Even if you do everything 100% right, you still have a 20% chance exactly, of getting yeah. pregnant. So, right, right. like, assume the best, and it will be worth it. And once, she always told me, once you get pregnant, this will all seem like it was so short. Exactly, yeah, yeah. So and how then, long did it actually take you to get pregnant? Yes. 
Um, so from we decided we wanted to have kids and we started having unprotected sexual intercourse. Right. And about six months into doing that, I realized that it wasn't just going to happen on accident. Mm-hmm. And that was when at that point I had like become more discouraged and I didn't feel like I was making progress towards my goal. And, right, right. Which is such a funny way of wording it. I've yes. told people that before that um, you are used to just working really hard for a certain outcome. And if you work hard enough and do the right things, you get that outcome. Exactly. And, like, and you've worked. Pregnancy is not like that. <laughs> yes. And, and you've worked like, so hard for for your like right. fitness goals and, and right. nutrition goals and so on, you yes. know, from what I've been following you on 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 yes. Instagram and social media. So Yes. But I think that so many women out there can relate to your story. And um, I know that this is very personal, but do you know at the end of the day what the issue was? Um, or if, if I can call you the issue, yeah, really? <laughs> no, um, the funny thing is, so what I usually say about my journey toward my journey to baby, I don't know what you mm-hmm. would call it, but right. um, is that my journey is actually really normal. And right. uh, that the thing about my journey is like nothing was wrong, you know, right, nothing right, was right. wrong with me, with my reproductive health. All my blood work came back normal. All of everything mm. came back normal and good. And uh, um, we actually like we didn't have the chance to have Andrew checked out before we found out we were pregnant. So obviously everything was good with him, too. Right, right, right. <laughs> but it was one of those things where after those six months, I was like, we have to get really serious about it. And then it was another six months of actively tracking everything. And uh, like using multiple fertility methods, I would call it of just like, oh, making sure I get enough healthy fats and also making sure that I'm careful with exercise during my luteal phase or making sure that I'm using my OPK kits, that I'm taking all my prenatals and vitamins, that I am tracking my basal body temperature and using an app to track everything, even symptom tracking and doing all that for another six months before we got pregnant. And uh, six months to a year is normal. It's so normal. Right. I wouldn't, I would tell people like, I uh, wouldn't say that I, air quotes, suffered from infertility. Right. Um, often infertility is like, I actually, I'm not ovulating. And so right, I right. need like medicine to make sure that I am ovulating or mm. sperm count is low. And so we need to go through a different method to make sure that we can um, guarantee fertilization takes place before implantation or right. I have a like illness or disease that prevents me from getting pregnant or makes it very difficult to get pregnant things like endometriosis or pocus and mm-hmm. um, those things can make it more challenging but not necessarily impossible and right. having to go through infertility treatments to address those reproductive health issues, which mm. are also so common. Um, mm. Like there is an entire group and of individuals, even who I've talked to for my own journey, who have been on this journey for years, you know, two right, years right. to nine years, and they've gone through IVF treatments or all sorts of different type of infertility treatments or medications. And so when I reflect on my journey, I think like I'm very fortunate and the fact where if I didn't even have any reproductive health issues or really any infertility issues and it still took me this long 
while working as hard as I was working mm. and walking through these emotions of just like disappointment, anxiety, stress, obsessiveness, even, and trying mm. to navigate those emotions when everything is functioning reproductively how it should. Then I can't imagine how many women have to have had this experience that I never knew about. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I was yeah. Like if this is normal for me and everything is like I'm mm. not even having to go into further treatments, then right. I wish I would have known that the roller coaster of emotions that one will go through mm. when trying to conceive. Because if this is normal, then it, other people's experiences must just be like even more heightened and even more intense. Yeah, I so, agree. Just so interesting that, you know, when we first get married and so on, we're so like, oh, don't get pregnant. And, you right. know, we got to watch no out kids, and this no and kids. that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And then I think it's just that the expectations are so high once you say, yes. OK, now we're ready to have kids. Yes. It's like we assume that it's just going to happen, you know, bam. Yeah. Definitely. I mean, I teach health at the high school level, so I'm like, right. you have right. unprotected sex, you will get pregnant. Exactly, <laughs> like, yeah. That's what we're all told when we're in high school. Like, exactly, that's yeah. Happen. And so then realizing, no, you can actually have unprotected sex for a whole year. Exactly. And <laughs> even trying to time it and not get pregnant, <laughs> which is not the case for maybe a 15-year-old to 20-year-old. You know, you That's literally true. are more fertile when you're younger. Like, your odds are higher. Yes, so yes, I agree. I was I like, agree. that will not be true for you. But um, <laughs> yeah, that I think that's part of it, that expectation, that social, like, cultural idea that oh you need to do all these other things before you have kids I think exactly. people are waiting much longer before they start their families and then we're all over 25 over 30 starting to have our families and then we're dealing with fertility and trying to figure out what it looks like for us now now right that we're here, right you know because we can only like play the hand we've been dealt and move forward with that and especially when it's so uncertain and I know that even secondary infertility is a total mind crap of its own but when yeah. you haven't had any kids at all yet and you don't even know if you can have kids mm -hmm. like is it mm -hmm. even physically possible it's really easy to give in to fear and anxiety and just convince yourself that it's never going to happen and even close to the end of my journey I felt like oh man I just need wine like, mm, like mm, all the yeah. time right now. I'm like, I need, yeah. I need wine because I don't know if this is ever going to happen. I mean, yeah. I've been, as I said, I've been following you for a while, you know, your fitness and, and health journey for a few years now, actually. Do you yeah. think that part of the problem, or, or I don't want to call it a problem, that I don't know what to call it really. Part but of the journey. Part of the journey, there you go, was your very strict workout and nutrition plan that you were on? Um, because it I, was it was healthy, but it was yeah, still very, you I know. I totally get that. Um, there were points in my fitness journey where it was like much more restrictive. At those points in time, I would say I was most definitely not trying to have kids, so right. that was not something that was like on my radar. And I, I, there's definitely a wrong and a right way to do those kind of things when you're cutting weight or shredding. Some people mm -hmm. might call it. And mm. if you do that in the wrong way, you can do long-term hormonal damage to your body and your hormones control your reproductive system. So it is possible things like eating disorders can lead to infertility right, issues right. because of the endocrine system being 
so damaged. And I felt I always did that in a healthy way when I was losing weight or trying to stay more lean. And I also wasn't trying to get pregnant at the time. I wouldn't um, recommend like doing any kind of restrictive diet. You Mm. just need a general healthy balanced diet. Right, (laughs) right. I agree. When you're trying to get pregnant, I don't think that if anything, my fitness journey helped me because all the research shows that the healthier you are, and the more you take care of your body, the more mm. likely that you will be able to get pregnant and be able to have children in the future because you're just taking care of the body that you have. And so right. a healthy body is good for everyone. And if my body's healthy, then my reproductive system is going to be functioning at its best. And yes. that means that I'm going to be more likely to be able to have kids because I'm taking right. good care of my body. And so if anything, my journey definitely helps me be able to recognize like where are the areas that I'm not taking care of myself Mm. that I need to do better in. I totally question, I get that it's a really normal question. People are like, oh, if you work out too much, will it make it harder to get pregnant? Mm. I Mm. think that has less to do with your workout, probably more to do with like your body fat percentage. Right. when women drop below, it's about 12 to 10% of body fat. It's not recommended to be under 14 unless you're like maybe an elite athlete. But mm-hmm. without enough body fat, you actually need some body fat for the hormones in your reproductive mm. system, estrogen and progesterone, to function right. appropriately, which is why people suffer from amenorrhea as elite athletes, which means they lose their menstrual cycle completely. Right. Um, right. They stop ovulating. And right. so even... At my most lean, I always had regular cycles. Mm-hmm. And uh, so that's like a good indication that, oh, your body is still functioning like normally and you haven't like crossed some minor barrier into an area where your reproductive system is saying, well, this isn't a priority anymore. Yes. <laughs> and, uh, so uh, being aware of that, that if you are no longer having menstrual periods and you have really um, low body fat percentage, then that's definitely going to affect your ability to get pregnant. But amenorrhea also happens for individuals with severe eating disorders. And so right, it, can be, right. it could be caused by a ridiculously active lifestyle um, mm. with really restrictive nutrition, I would say. Or it could be caused by a completely like unhealthy mental health disorder mm. as well. Mm. So uh, really trying to just make sure that you're staying balanced, that you're taking care of yourself and keeping an open mind because that journey could look like anything. And even my journey could have looked a lot different. It could have been possible that my blood work came back different and I needed like just a little bit of hormones or something to get my cycle on. Or maybe Andrew's like samples would have come back different and he would have needed some kind of treatments. And even from there, there's so many other options that people go through before maybe going into like full-blown IVF cycles, but it's all a personal choice and decision. And there, I can't emphasize enough, like there's no wrong decision. I agree. For me personally, you know, the first time I got pregnant, I was 33. And the second time I was pregnant, I was 35, which is, you know, not, I mean, it's not that it's old, but you know, And both times I got pregnant right away, you know, to my own, to my own surprise, to be honest. I remember like the first time I got pregnant and I realized because I know my body so well, I realized, you know, a couple of weeks into the pregnancy that, you know, something was a little off. So I took a pregnancy test 
And I couldn't believe it. So I went and I got right. like another five. And I'm like, okay, they're all positive. This can't be, yeah. you know. I'm, you know, but both times I had the mindset. If it happened, we both had the mindset. If it happens, it happens. And if right. not, then it's not meant to be, you know. So I wasn't really stressing out about it. But yes. I don't know if that would have, if I would have kept that mindset if it hadn't worked out for some time, you know. Yeah. So. So right. do you feel that, happier. yeah, so do you feel that, like, your mindset played a role in that as well? I mean, you you kind of mentioned that a little yeah. bit, you know, frustration and so much pressure yeah. on yourself and this and that. You know, like, meaning that when you focus on something too much to the point that right. it starts stressing you yeah. out. stresses you out, and then stress isn't good for reproductive health either. And ex- I exactly. I remember reading something online that said when people tell you to not stress about getting pregnant when you're trying to get pregnant, you're mm. like, it's the worst possible thing they could tell you. Because, <laughs> of course, you're going to be stressed. Like, I mean, it's all you're trying to achieve right now. And exactly, so it's totally yeah. normal to be invested in that way. I've talked to a lot of people who went on a much longer fertility journey than I have and right. went through multiple infertility treatments. And it's always amazing to me how many emotions we felt in common, even though my journey was not theirs and not mm. the same as theirs. The mm. emotions of hope mm. what is a really big deal. And so when yeah. you're talking about mindset while trying to conceive, it can be really easy to like lose that hope right. that it's going to happen for you. And mm. for me, I was really encouraged by very supportive close friends and family as I was going through my journey that for me it was if God has called you to be a mom then you're going to be a mom Mm. and I don't know when or how it's gonna happen but I know that it's decided in my life and that it will be my reality eventually in some way and that mm-hmm. that kid that's meant to be in my arms and in my family is already decided and already known. And I don't know who that child is yet, mm-hmm. but I have hope that I'm going to know them and that it will be perfect for me. So having right, right. that hope, even when you're feeling depressed, sad, mm-hmm. crying, mm-hmm. you know, being able to have that big perspective really helped with mindset. And for me, that perspective applied to whether or not Andrew and I went through IVF treatments, infertility treatments, medications, or we decided to adopt. Mm. Um, No matter what, that was decided for my future, and I was going to be a mom. And it was only unknown to me how that was going to take place. And Mm. so I think that's what really helped me with mindset. But that doesn't mean every day I felt. Happy. of course not yeah. yeah of course i mean it's, it's like, a journey it it's a journey you have exactly it's a journey you have your ups and downs yes. but again it just goes to show how important it is to have your close people to you whether yeah. it's friends whether it's family whatever that might be that you yeah. are able to open up and talk openly and freely about you know the struggle that you're going right in that yeah. moment yeah you know? that support system is huge and uh, that would also be one of my like main points anyone who's Mm. listening to the podcast that's Mm -hmm. trying to conceive and get pregnant is reach out to someone talk to someone about it like Mm. the only thing that makes this journey worse is going through it by yourself 
Yeah, because it, it could be very like isolating and, and yeah. very lonely journey if you yeah. don't reach out or if you don't, you know, yes. look for that uh, community or that, you know, supportive system yes. to to, was, to reach out. Definitely. I was amazed by the amount of women. We're talking about hundreds of women who mm. reached out to me after I shared just my journey and like mm. my struggle and the emotions I went through with each cycle, even not having infertility issues that they related to what I was experiencing and they just felt like they were alone or they didn't have mm. anyone to talk to or they mm. didn't realize that other people were feeling the same way. Just so many comments that were, I have felt every single one of these things during my cycle this month, you know, mm-hmm. and even trying to connect those women with other women who have had similar experiences. And the, this is true of everything in life, but finding people who have already been through it or who are going through it with you is so good for your mental and emotional health also just helps you carry the burden like you don't have to carry the weight of the emotions you're going through on your own and knowing that other people have gone through this that they've survived it you know even if their journey ends up ending different than yours did a really amazing thing and I've connected women who have gone through multiple infertility treatments over multiple years they've reached out I'm like this is you need to talk to this girl because Mm -hmm. like she she's right there in it with you or girls who have experienced like miscarriage and loss which is a whole nother oh my goodness thing of Mm -hmm. infertility on its own that's just so overwhelming but um, for those women to connect with each other as well, because no one understands your pain and your journey and your experience as well as someone who's also been through those same experiences. And so I think that's why my connection with my sister was really so important to me during that like six months to a year of trying to become pregnant because she was in it for nine months. And she, same as me, didn't end up having to take like any infertility medications or anything, but just understood the same feelings, emotions I was going through and was so reassuring to me. And really everything she said was true, even though I sat there and I was like, you don't know that you can't say that I'm going to have a kid because like, what if I can't, you know? And uh, she, she was right kind of thing and and sometimes I guess it's just enough also just to be able to open up and talk about it not necessarily get an advice or get an opinion or whatever bad but just be able to share your your pain your struggle your fears your whatever that might be you know yeah I had good co-worker friends as well who we were all going through the same journey at the same time. And so just having lunch and being like, how's it going? How are you feeling? Mm, mm. Um, was so important just to know that people care and that they're just checking in on you. Right, right. And uh, you can learn so much from each other as you're going through it too. Things like even OPK kits and basal body temperature tracking. Those are mm. things I knew nothing about or how to right. do. I didn't need to know. Yes. Like No one was teaching me that. And so talking with people who had tried before and learning how to do those things was really, really helpful. Yes, absolutely. So mm-hmm. at the end, did you change anything in, in your like lifestyle in terms of yeah. workouts, nutrition? Or if so, what were some of the things that, that um, increased your chances of, of conceiving? Everything I read, I did a ton, of, a ton of research. I love health and fitness anyway, so it was all good research and helpful for my knowledge base as a professional. Right working in like a health education field but the things that I read that I tried to implement 
we're one making sure that you get enough healthy fats in your diet and that's really easy with like avocados and nuts you know it's right, like right, easy right. way to just like add in some healthy fats in general I felt like I was eating like enough fats I never felt like I was restricting anything like that mm-hmm. so uh, I did make sure that I was getting enough of that I usually would just make my second or fourth snack of the day some like a handful of almonds or something so I could make sure I boosted it another thing was I stayed with basically my same workout regimen with the exception of and I'm I'm gonna say this one is not research-based it -hmm. was just what I felt like I needed to do there's no research that shows you need to back off on the intensity of your workouts during your luteal phase that's the time Mm -hmm. after you ovulate until your next menstrual period and it's the time when implantation of the zygote or the fertilized cell is going to Mm -hmm. happen and Mm -hmm. uh, what's happening is on literally a cellular level it's so small that they basically say in research that your workout isn't going to change that, you know, whether Mm, or not mm. implantation happens, isn't going to change whether or not you have an intense workout. But I just felt the need during that time to maybe not kill myself in my workouts. Given Mm -hmm. my workouts, I, we're talking like sprinting, running, heavy Mm, lifting, mm, jumping, mm. like for a full hour, it was really intense. And I was doing that like five to six times a week. So when I say that I backed off on my luteal phase, <laughs> I was still running three plus miles, you know, right, like five, right, right. five times a week. And it was just at a little bit slower pace, which we're talking like instead of seven and eight minute miles, I was running at like nine, 10 minute miles. Mm. And uh, lifting wise, I was still lifting the same. And I maybe just went at like 80% of max effort mm. when I was doing like my jumps and my rowing and stuff like that. So, I mean, I backed off, but I didn't stop. And I was definitely right. still being more active than many during mm. that phase. I think it's just relative to yourself. So right, right, right. I only backed off on that because I felt like it would be good. One of the things I did try just because there were so many girls that said like oh you should do this was acupuncture and same thing I'm like I disclaimer everything there's not like specific research that will say that acupuncture Mm. will help you get pregnant or increase your odds of pregnancy at all so in terms of research not like based off of that but there were just so I'm gonna say at least 10 girls who said like, oh, have you thought about trying acupuncture? Like I tried it, I had a great experience. Either they got pregnant or they just reduced their stress levels a ton and they loved it. And I was kind of at the point where I'm like, well, if it helps, then I might as well try. And if it doesn't help, then I'm still curious about it. So might as well. And so I started in the middle of what would have been my like, 11th cycle of trying and I just went once a week and I told the (laughs) acupuncturist I don't know if that's the right word to call them the doctor (laughs) told her that I wanted to get pregnant that I was specifically coming because I wanted to get pregnant I wasn't referred to my acupuncturist or anything it was just like a copay for my insurance Mm -hmm. and so she knew why I was there And I went once a week and the first two weeks were during my luteal phase of that cycle. And I wasn't pregnant that cycle. And then I went once a week for my final cycle as well, which was just the next four weeks. And that was the cycle that I got pregnant. And I don't know if like, I'm not going to say 
oh, right, right. the thing, you know, it just happened to be one of the changes and new things I tried mm-hmm. for mm-hmm. that month. Um, but I would say acupuncture was freaking awesome. Even if it didn't work, I would definitely go. It was right. so, it was so relaxing, just laying down for an hour with like some soft music and some heat lamps and just relax. I could fall asleep. It's like best nap time ever is how I described it with a friend, Sarah. And uh, I I would recommend it even if you didn't want to get pregnant, you know, like <laughs> um, acupuncture was so good. It was so relaxing and calming and even helps with reducing stress levels. So maybe that was right. part of it as well as reducing my stress levels could help me like increase my chances of like implantation conception actually occurring. So who knows, it could have been a few different things with that, but I really did enjoy that process. And if you have an acupuncturist where um, it's not a good experience, then I would just recommend going to a different one if you still want to try it because um, maybe they just aren't doing what you are thinking. And acupuncture doesn't have to be used for fertility. Right. (laughs) I mean, they'll put them like on your ovaries and around your uterus Mm -hmm. to increase blood flow circulation if you're Mm -hmm. trying to get pregnant, but they'll put them like on your back if you have back pain or wherever, or head or headaches or something if you had their issues. So it's not like if you go to acupuncture, you'll get pregnant. <laughs> right, right, right. They, they, you know, it could be used for many they different know. different yeah. reasons. I know that that um, everyone's journey is different. So I just have, and I know that you're super busy. So one, one last question. From your own experience, what is the one thing you would advise somebody that is having difficult journey to conceiving, if I can call it that? Yeah. I would say listen to your heart and do what you feel you need to do. Mm. So some people don't want to talk to an infertility specialist at all. It's just not Mm. what they want to do. And that's totally okay. And uh, you don't have to do that. And then at the same time, others it's like I've only been trying for three months is it too early to get my blood work checked or my Mm. hormone levels or is it too early to have like my husband's sperm count checked and things like that and if you feel like you've only been trying for three months but you want to have those things checked out then you should have them checked out it will give you peace of mind and it also will help you feel like you maybe have a little more control over a process that we really don't have any control over. Mm. So it can make you feel like you have, it gives you a little bit of your power back. And only you know when the right time is for that. So they always say, oh, wait six months to a year before you go talk to an infertility specialist or something. I think the right time to do that is when you feel that it's the right time to do that. And for some people that could be over a year that they're like, I'm just not ready to take that step yet. And that is fine. And at the same time, you have to take the step that is right for you. So Mm -hmm. if it's an infertility specialist, awesome. If it's a general practitioner who you want to start like fertility medications, awesome. If you don't want to go through, like, I mean, infertility IVF treatments are hard from everything I've heard from people who have gone through them. They're emotionally and physically exhausting and Mm. 
like then you don't have guaranteed success and then maybe for you the right step is like I know I will still want to have a family and have kids and we're going to start looking into adoption even though we're still trying or something Mm -hmm. and so do what you feel is right in your journey when it's time for you and when you feel that time has come and then find a support group, which I know we already kind of talked about earlier, but right. please, whether it's just one person, like your mom or mm-hmm. a sister, or maybe family isn't the right person for you. Maybe it's a friend or maybe mm-hmm. it's just someone online in your online Instagram community that you've reached out to and that you just want to share with them. Hey, this is what I'm going through right now. Even if they haven't gone through it, mm-hmm. it will help with your mental health so much. Mm-hmm. And it will help you know that you are not alone in your experience and that other people have walked this road before you and they have beautiful families that have come about in whatever way that they, they've they come about. But those families are meant to be and that your family is out there for you, too. And mm-hmm. if you want that, then you have options and you aren't alone. Yeah, I think that's I mean, we already said that I think that's so powerful because then you know, being alone in in a difficult moment and and having the feeling that you don't have anybody to talk to, it yeah. can make the whole process even you know much more difficult. So yeah, so support system and, and communities is huge. Yes, most definitely. Those are my biggest things, and that's what I would have wanted to know when I started my journey too. Elise, thank you so much for taking the time to to share your experience. I know that it's a very difficult subject and something that, you know, a lot of us women are struggling with. So I very much appreciate you sharing your experience and hopefully, you know, today's talk can inspire and help many women out there, you know, just knowing that they're not alone and and knowing that there are also other women going through a similar experience and and reaching out and, and so on. So very much appreciate um, your time and um, sharing your experience. Thank you. Thank you so much. (laughs) I uh, have loved chatting with you. And I look forward to just talking with all the other women who are on this journey, like with me, with us, with everyone who's out there that we've had to go through it. And I appreciate you giving me the time and asking me just really good questions oh thank you and I'm excited to you know continue following your your journey and and um, it's it's a very exciting journey so it reminds me of when I was pregnant Mm -hmm. (laughs) which wasn't which wasn't that long ago you know my kids are five and seven but still it seems it seems it seems very far away. <laughs> it's going to fly by. <laughs> to our audience, thanks so much for listening. And to be part of Elise's pregnancy journey, make sure you follow her on Instagram at Elise Lee Feet. And not only for the pregnancy journey, but also for a lot of health and fitness and nutrition inspiration and just just uh, also motivation, uh, motivational inspiration. I, um, I love your positive spirit and and always motivating and keeping it real i absolutely love that part so make sure you follow her on instagram thank you so much for listening and for being here it truly means the world to me i would love to connect with as many of you as possible so let's connect on instagram you can find me at slowvolution for your daily dose of healthy living inspiration 
If you feel inspired by this episode and want to learn more about all things health, well-being and motherhood, be sure to subscribe and leave a review on iTunes. This way the podcast can reach and inspire even more moms and moms-to-be. And make sure you stay tuned for the many upcoming exciting episodes. Wish you all a lovely week. Mm-hmm.